Are you interested in cracking the customer code? You've got customers, and we will help you work with them to deliver a great experience to grow your business. I'm Jeannie Walters. And I'm Adam Taporek. Join us as we learn from those business leaders who get it. And a few who don't. And together we'll crack the customer code. Welcome to Episode 2 of Crack the Customer Code. Today we want to do something special. We have a really great guest in Graham Newell. Adam, can you tell us about him? Yeah, Graham is awesome. Graham is an expert in emotional marketing and he's got this huge library of like sample advertising. So he brought some actual samples from his library to play with us today and to sort of analyze them. So, and the other thing we're going to talk about today, which is going to be really interesting is when you can give great customer service, but not great customer experience. So we're going to talk about that at the end of the show. But right now, Graham's here, and we got a little extra time dedicated to him. So tell us a little bit about Graham. Graham Newell is a researcher, speaker, and consultant who shows companies how to build fanatic customer loyalty. He's president of 602 Communications, a marketing research and consulting firm that specializes in emotional marketing. He turns mere buyers into passionate groupies, which I love. So, Graham, tell us about it. Hey, guys. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. And let me tell you, I am the bastion of all the spots you could ever want to watch in the world. (laughs) I spend my day in dark rooms just watching ads roll over me hundreds at a time. (laughs) So you might say that's probably scarred me a little bit. But I have to tell you, I I think I managed to have survived a, a bit. But what is great is I get a chance to get a look at all the best advertising that's being done from all over the world, whether it's stuff being done that's more on the product side, more on the B2B side. We look and catalog and index all the ads in the world, and we tag them by emotional drivers. So let's say that you want to be the safe company. Well, what we do is we have found all the specific flavors of safe that you could do. Are you Michelin Tires safe? Are you Johnson & Johnson safe? Are you Pepsi? Bismol safe. What we've done is we've indexed all of these ads over the course of many different years. And what we found is the emotional drivers that move people to love brands. That's so cool. So Graham, you speak about this subject all over the world. You look at what are the emotional drivers that really start the customer experience, quite frankly, right? Absolutely. What, you know, what I do is go out and work with businesses to help them take that next level in advertising that they, they want to go, whether it's customer service advertising or no matter what it is. It's really all about establishing a deeper connection with them. And what that's often about is flattering their ego or helping them to feel better about themselves when they use your product. Excellent. Well, you know what? I know you've got a clip for us, so why don't we play that first clip and then tell us what it is and tell us what we can learn from it. Sure. Let me just set up this this first clip. You know, when I go around the country and do these workshops, I always ask people in in the room, what are some of their very favorite brands that that they have? And let me tell you that the one, first of all, that almost always comes up first is Apple. Uh, You know, I've got a tremendous number of people. They just love Apple more than anything that they have. But another one that usually ranks in in the top of these is Nike. Now, when I ask them why that that is, a lot of times they have a little bit of a hard time explaining exactly what, what that's about. 
about. They say, like, well, I like the fit or I really in, in, enjoy the, the styling or whatever. But most of the time, they, the best they can tell me most times is, well, I just kind of like Nike. It's something I've always used and it just seems to fit. And when I ask them questions like, well, why not Adidas or, so, you know, or Reebok or some other brands, they just kind of go, nah, it just it doesn't really fit for me. So what I want you to notice is, is what Nike's doing here is Nike stopped being about the shoes a long time ago. What Nike's brand is really all about is holding up a mirror to their customers. Now, this is most common with brands that tend to be a little bit more in, in the mature sector. There are brands that specifically sell product features. Now, uh, you know, an industry that does this all the time is the cell phone industry. If you're going to buy that latest, greatest phone, the thing that all of these companies have to do is show you what's great and interesting about it. So all of the cell phone ads really just tout feature after feature and you know they they show me all of this great stuff the apples ad, the apple ads all they really do these days is sort of slam down the ipad or the phone and they just let the features roll and the, you know the product does all of the selling so what ends up happening is that as these brands tend to mature what happens is the ads stop really being about the product so much and are simply the effect of holding a mirror up to the customer and that's what our brand work that we do is really all about it's not so much about what the product is it's about holding that mirror up to a customer and showing them your values and the things that you feel really match what the customers feel about themselves so let's listen to this nike ad and see if we can hear what you're talking about that sounds great see if you can pick out exactly what that emotion is as we watch this nike ad a good rest after last night's game would have been nice Television in bed. Nice. Croissant. Marmalade. That too would have been nice. But last time I checked, nice never won a football match. Boo! Did it. All right, so that was pretty cool. You know what I liked about the ad was just how high energy it was, but you were right. It did not basically directly address the product. So what you'll notice there about that, that ad is, first of all, they ha- are convinced that you are one of the people who, who's in the club. Now, Adam, I know that you're one of the people that works hard every single day. There are those who slack off and those who just absolutely cannot step up to the plate and do what's needed. But I know that you are one of the guys that will work extra hard all day long, do whatever it takes to get it done. Is that right? Are oh, you, of course. Are you taking oh, votes? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, Jeannie, I know that other people have this tendency to, to just not have what it takes to really deliver the final product. Are you one of the slackers? Is that what you are? Or are you one of the people who tends to work hard all day long? I am not a slacker. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is a universal emotion. There's not a human being in the world who doesn't believe that they don't work harder than everybody else around them. Even those people that lay on the couch all day are like, oh, I'm just a hard worker all, all, all day long. So what is great about what Nike did here is this is a virtually a universal brand. This can work with anybody, you, you know, Icelandic grade schoolers, you know, Brazilian <laughs> soccer hooligans, you know, Chinese gymnasts, anybody in, in the 
world believes this about them, themselves. And what Nike is doing is they're not going, hey, my laces are cool. You're going to love the styling of my shoe. It gets such great traction. What Nike is, is doing is simply holding up a mirror to your own ego and reinforcing who you already are. Now, I want to contrast the ad that you just heard with one for Gatorade. Now, Gatorade has the same kind of sweaty athletes in, in them, but they do something very different. In, with Gatorade, they don't try to convince you that you're great. As a matter of fact, Gatorade takes a shot at your ego is what they do. And they kind of go, you know, I'm just not sure you've really got what it takes in order to be good enough to do this. But if you <laughs> use Gatorade, perhaps you and your slack self might be able to actually pull it out. So Nike builds your ego. And what Gatorade does with the exact same sweaty athletes is they take down your ego. They establish doubt. Your moisture-wicking fabric isn't enough. Your zero-weight shoes aren't enough. Your carbon fiber racket isn't enough. The apps that track, analyze, and motivate you aren't enough. Nothing you put on is. It's up to you. You and what's inside you. What you put into it is what you get out of it. Simple as that. You explode into the record books. You show no mercy. You come back strong. You win from within. You're right. You can't see it because we are on audio, but it is more sweaty athletes. <laughs> you know, Adam, you just might not be enough, you know, and <laughs> you're going to need somebody to take you to the extra edge here if you're going to finally pull this out. So what they are are really, you know, showcasing there is is that doubt and those things that we all feel when we're in a performance situation. In, in essence, Gatorade is sort of the secret sauce that you can use to kind of push yourself to the next level of of performance. And what they're doing is they're selling a product feature. And if you look at Gatorade ads, you'll see that this pervades pretty much everything that they do. Now, now, Jeannie, do you have a brand that you're just a little crazy about? One that you're just nuts about? You would just never consider buying another product? You know, one of the ones that I like is, uh, is Sephora, actually. And they do a lot to help customers stay loyal. And they also do a lot to help us use their products. So instead of just selling makeup and fun things like that, they you can go in there and say, how do I use this? What do I do? And, you know, I'm going to a big event. How can I do my makeup differently? They'll do that thing for you. But it's also on social media. They've got all these different tools. So I yeah. feel like they do a really good job getting to know their customers and they make it easy for me as a customer. Yeah, so they so they kind of they they help train you. They they make the makeup easy. Now I know that you know there there's a lot of other makeup companies that there's they have great videos. They'll, they'll help you as, mm-hmm. as well. Why don't you use them? I think Sephora really goes out of their way to make sure that if I come back as a customer, they know me. Uh, you can keep things on order. You can uh, go in and get samples if you aren't sure of something. They do a lot of things to make sure that I don't walk out of there and think, "Eh, I'm not really sure about this. But they also put a heavy emphasis on convenience. And I think that's such an important driver for me personally and for a lot of other people. I mean, I'm a 
busy working mom. I, I have no time ever. <laughs> yeah. and, so. and so they share your values of, of mm-hmm. I want to get stuff done. I want, want to do it quickly. I want to make it easy for, for myself. It's a product feature, but it's also a way to live. Right. Right. Yeah, Adam, what, what about you? Tell, tell me a little, little bit more about, is there a product you would just never consider buying another brand? More of a service, and it is Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it is purely because of prime and convenience. I mean, they have me. They enable me to sit on the couch and tell everybody else how busy I actually am. <laughs> That's what I love about Amazon. But yeah, the, I mean, the Prime program, they just continue. They, they raised the price you know, about a year ago. They just continue to add value. And to get almost anything I need delivered right to my doorstep in two days, that just that fits my lifestyle really well. Let me tell you, I am a big Amazon fan as, as well. And what, what I notice is, is uh, when I use Amazon and I go out and I, you know, I, I get my, my stuff where I'm shopping. I'm, let's say I'm, I'm just out kind of wandering around and I pass the people at the mall whatever, and I kind of look at them and kind of go, those poor bastards. They're in there shopping <laughs> away, wasting all their time. Me, no, I went on Amazon. I got my stuff quick. I got it delivered. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have to drive to the mall is what I had. So I get this nice little hit of ego arrogance every time that I use it. Kind of like I'm one of the smart shoppers is what I'm all about. Those other those other idiots are wasting their time, you know, not getting as efficient as they could be. And so, what's one of the big motivations? The things that I feel most proud about myself? I'm efficient. I get things done. And it sounds like we have a tribe of get things done people right here Seriously. between the three of us. We do. And our number one day for gloating is coming up because when you watch all the news stories about the riots on Black Friday and you're sitting there doing <laughs> one click, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. Adam, you and I are going to be so superficially self-righteous sitting there watching them. We'll be looking at ourselves going like, we are absolutely the smartest people in the room. And look at those idiots doing it to each other. And Amazon gives us this amazing hit. And if you go to their, their site, you're going to see all kinds of references down to the way that they communicate with their customers. You're busy. You need to get stuff done. That pervades everything that, you know, that they do. Same thing, Jeannie, for you probably sounds like on the makeup site. You know, Mm -hmm. you're going there. There's all kinds of little subtle messages that they understand exactly what you need to feel better about yourself. Mm -hmm. So this is really the next level of of customer service, the next level of of branding for customers. So true. Well, let me ask one final question before we let you go. And that is, you know, taking this discussion, how do you distill down, you know, what's like one good principle that anyone can use i mean because it's easy to get somebody jacked up and emotional when you're talking about fitness or something but you know what if you're selling auto parts in the midwest you know how do you when and how can you use these principles well what we do is we do extensive research projects where we go in and talk to customers about their experience of of buying the product but for anybody the the thing to do is to take you know a few of your customers out you know to for, for a beer or whatever and the big thing is don't ask them about your product ask them about you know, themselves and how they feel about themselves. So basically, let's say that, that you're, you're doing, um, uh, you know, uh, you've, you've got some clients that are in the electrical industry. We, we just did a, a big, uh, big presentation for a whole bunch of electrical contractors. And, and so we, we just went in and asked people about their jobs and said, what's the, what's the biggest problem that you've got the, these days? And what we heard was that these men, you know, kind of like we are, were, were crazy busy. They're business owners and, and they, they really wanted more, more time so they could spend with their families. So what what great, you know, product service was about for them was about helping them to be more efficient and it was all about family values. But if you can just sit down with your customers and say, 
tell me about your work. Don't listen exactly to what they say about what they're looking for on, on the product, but listen to the values, the ethics, the priorities that they bring to, to the table and the reasons why they buy you, your product. Jeannie mentioned that she wants to be a better mom. She wa- wants to be more f- efficient. She wants to get more done. So for her, that brand is really all, all about spending time with her kids. And most, you know, the makeup companies understand that. What they're making sure is that that mom is, is empowered and they're doing it in a very specific way. Those are great points. And I think anybody could really apply what you're saying about listening to the core value and emotion instead of just listening to the words somebody's saying and using. So this was fantastic, Graham. Thank you so much. This I think this will be really valuable to a lot of people. And well, I, Thank you, Graham. This was great. I love Sounds hearing great, the ads, Jets. Thank too. you for having me in. <laughs> Absolutely. Our pleasure. And where can people find you? You can find me at 602communications, that's with an S, dot com. That was great. Graham had so many great things to say about emotional marketing and how those triggers play into the whole customer experience. I love somebody that brings props. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> exactly. that, like, the audio, that, exactly. that was really cool. So what are we talking about? Because it is time for Customer Hero, Customer Zero. We were thinking, what's uh, there's a little bit of difference you and I would agree, between customer service and customer experience. But one of the questions I have is, can you have a great customer experience if you don't have a great customer service or vice versa? Well, the vice versa gets very interesting. So we'll take the first one because can you have a great customer experience without great customer service? I would say probably not. Because it depends how you define it. So let's not get too far down that road because uh, we've both read 74 blog posts on what the actual <laughs> definition of customer experience versus customer service is. But in the end, if you look at customer service as sort of what happens in the individual moment or the reactive fashion, no matter what, maybe one experience is good, but your overall experience with the company will always have a glitch somewhere. And there will always be something reactive in it eventually. I would agree to a point. And what I mean by that is, There are situations where you can have an entire end-to-end customer experience without ever needing customer service, and those can be pretty rock solid. And our favorite example, Amazon, they're not that easy to find if you need customer service sometimes. It's hard to find a phone number. That's by design. So even though we have situations where we might not have that perfect experience in those service moments, if you have an end-to-end experience that's great and you don't need it, you can have a great customer experience. I think you have an overall great customer experience. I think we're also getting a little semantic because what is customer service? I mean, I use Amazon all the time, like we just spoke about, and I may never, you know, click on the Mayday and talk to a person, but I'm checking their facts, I'm checking their how to, I'm checking their user mm-hmm. experience, and all that can sort of fall under the rubric of customer service. So it really depends how you define it. That's true. And what is really interesting is if you flip the script. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets really interesting because you can have great customer service and a terrible customer experience. Amen. You know, if you look at customer service as sort of the act of, you know, reacting to a service issue, which I think it's broader. But if you, mm-hmm. you take that narrow sort of definition, then what you get is you can screw up seven times <laughs> and then they call to fix the screw up and you're awesome. Right. But the experience isn't good because you screwed up seven times. Right. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of organizations are struggling with how do we get the right kind of feedback? Because if you get transactional feedback about your customer service reps in those moments, that's fantastic. You might think we're doing everything right. 
We're getting nines out of tens when we ask them, how was your last interaction? Meanwhile, the customer is at home screaming because they can't believe that this happened seven times and they had to put their friend now. <laughs> they, they have grown close to their customer service rep and they have to put them through all of it. So I right. think it's a, it's a great point. You cannot look at anything in a silo or without looking at the big picture because it gives you false data. Right. And you have to look at the fact that, you know, Matt Dixon and uh, some that team over the executive board did some good research on this. The very act of having the service interaction is negative in and of itself, even if it's a positive service interaction. Mm -hmm. So if you have to call three times, right, the very act of doing that is a negative to the experience. Yep. Yeah. So you can, so the moment can be great, but the actual process is still a negative and the overall customer experience suffers. Yes, exactly. So I think our short answer to both questions is no. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot, you got to have it all. Yeah. You have to be everything to everyone. Okay, <laughs> all not or that nothing. Far. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that is a wrap for episode two. Thank you so much for listening. Also, I want to tell you a little bit about my ebook. Seven Secret Customer Service Techniques Every Expert Knows. If you're interested, you can get that at CustomerEbook.com. That is CustomerEbook.com. Also, we have more episodes online, so please subscribe and make sure you never miss an episode. And for the show notes for this episode, please go to CrackTheCustomerCode.com. If you like this podcast, and only if you like this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.